guys, this is Emmy, and this is the Emmy Show. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's day six of no booze, uh, no wine, no gin, no alcohol for me, and uh, it's it's going better than I thought it would. Anyway, <laughs> um, I haven't caved, uh, so that's that's good. Uh, I've been really tired, just I think from the medicine, but. Anyhow, I am plotting how to celebrate uh, my reuniting with alcohol tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night, tomorrow evening. I'm excited about that. But at any case, um, on the topic vaguely of today's episode, I wanted to mention something with um, the election coming up and everything. I know everybody's talking about, um, you know, who they're voting for and that we need to vote and stuff. And I just kind of wanted to to kind of... uh, mention um on the topic of voting and domestic violence um I don't know if a lot of people think about but you know when you register to vote your um address that you use um it's frequently uh, I would say typically um recorded and published online as like a matter of a public record so um, if you Google your name, which I, I think is a good habit to get into doing on occasion, just to be aware of what information on you is out there, especially if you have a unusual name, um, as do I. Um, but yeah, if you Google your name, um, you'll probably see your voter uh, registration um, address listed um, for the years that you've, you've voted. Um, so if you are someone who is concerned about, um, you know, having your address online, um, if you, if you've been a victim of, uh, domestic violence or you're, you're a survivor of, um, stalking, et cetera, um, and you want to avoid having your address online, like I do, <laughs> um, you know, typically for other things, I would say, and I've said this before, just, just get a PO box, um, but I recently found out via a fun notice uh, about a week ago in my mailbox that um, you can't actually use a P.O. box to register to vote. It has to be a physical address, um, even though my P.O. box is set up uh, to, to look like a, um, an apartment number. But uh, apparently I'm not allowed to use that, which really sucks. Uh, so basically that means I have to either have my address published online, which isn't really an option for me right now, or, you know, and I would argue probably isn't a great idea anyway, um, (laughs) depending on your history, but, um, you know, or just not vote, which really sucks, um, because I was planning on it, uh, but at any rate, the, the optimistic glint in this, uh, rant is that I just recently found out about a program, at least in California, I'm not sure if it's other places or not. But in California, there's a program called Safe at Home, um, Safe at Home. And um, if you look up that program, at least in the great state of California, um, you can actually get approved if you're a you know, survivor of domestic violence or a victim of domestic violence or stalking. Um, you just do an interview on the phone and um, if you get approved, which you do, um, if, if you're uh a former victim or current victim of, of either of those, then they'll actually set you up with a PO box that is approved um, to use as a voter registration and anything else you might need. And although, unfortunately for me this year, um, that information and uh, approval came a little late, um, so it doesn't really do me any good for being able to um, 
you know, exercise the, the right to vote. Um, at least it is good information, you know, and it's good to find out for the future. So, um, I just wanted to put that out there in case anyone else out there, um, a doesn't, doesn't realize that your address is being posted when you register to vote or B, uh, you do realize and you know, you want to be able to vote. Um, just, just wanted to give you that information. Um, and, and yeah, I, I would imagine there's probably similar programs in other States, but just, just something to keep in mind. Cause I had no idea that that was even an option. And, uh, I wish I would have known about this years ago, but, uh, glad, it, glad I found out about it now. So anyways, just throwing it out there. Um, next, I kind of just wanted to mention a couple of additional, um, you know, uh, rosy tinted flags, as I called them <laughs> uh, last episode, um, that I that I missed, including in last uh, last episode, because there are so very many. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to list a couple of extras um, that I neglected to include in last last uh, week's episode. Um, so the first one I wanted to mention. Um, is that, uh, you know, abusive individuals will frequently um, play the victim. No matter how much hell they're bringing into your life, they will find some way to twist the scenario to where they are the victim, even though in in actuality, um, you know, they're they're the perpetrator. Um, And one of the ways I've noticed that they like to do this is, um, you know, they'll abuse you and... um, just make your life hell and incite you to, you know, rage. (laughs) Um, and then they'll step back and kind of, again, play the victim and act as if your reaction, you know, even though your reaction is, you know, less severe than their everyday actions. Um, and it, you know, their actions are inflicted without cause or reason, whereas your reaction is just a normal human reaction to being treated like shit every day. They'll step back and act like your reaction is the issue, um, not their abuse and mistreatment that incited the the reaction to begin with. And this is frequently termed, um, quote unquote, reactive abuse. Um, when, you know, they incite a reaction from you, um, and then step back and act like they didn't just cause it, you know. Um, and I don't really like that term because I, I think I think that's a misnomer. And I think it's, you know, like I said, I think words are important and terms are important and labels are important um, because I think they do construct the way that we see things. And so, yeah, I, I would say I don't I don't like that term. I don't I don't use that term personally, but I just wanted to kind of throw it out there that that's frequently what it's referred to as. I would just say it's, you know, reacting like a normal person um, to getting treated like uh, crap. Um, um, the second thing I wanted to mention is um, these types of individuals will either openly proclaim that they hate holidays, um, which is uh, actually something that recently I ran into with the last uh, abusive individual I interacted with briefly. Um, or they will, you know, pretend like they love them, but they will manage to ruin every holiday that you remotely care about. Um, and and it'll be like, everything will be fine. And then as soon as the holiday rolls around, they find some way to just completely wreck the day, like over the top wreck it. Um, and it may seem like it's almost intentional and, uh, to be real, it's, it's because it is, um, in addition to just, you know, the fact that most of these individuals are sadistic, at least emotionally, if not otherwise, and enjoy causing you pain because it makes them feel powerful in some, you know, weak, pathetic, ridiculous way. 
Um, but in addition to that, um, most of them are extremely narcissistic. And so they just, they really can't stand, um, you paying attention to something that's not them. So something like Christmas, you know, or a birthday of somebody who's not them, um, they'll find a way to ruin it because they want the focus to be on them, be it positive or negative. Plus, uh, ruining holidays, um, specific holidays on the reg, actually they enjoy more because um, it also gives them the opportunity to build up your anticipation and dread um, of, you know, what are they going to do this year? And for me and my, my experience, um, I know with my ex, uh, one of my, one of my exes, um, he seemed to love, especially for whatever reason, um, ruining the 4th of July, I think probably because I'd had a couple of rough years before him, um, that I was hoping to overwrite it with. Um, and then my birthday, those were like the days he liked to wreck, um, the most, if his favorites, if you will, for just wreaking havoc and and hell. Um, so yeah, there's that. And the other one I wanted to mention is, is kind of a kind of an odd one, um, but just another thing that I've noticed, kind of like the one I mentioned about you know staring you down. Um, and these types of individuals, I've noticed that a lot of them um, early on, before any other major warning signs. When I'm having, say, when I was having an, an argument or even an unpleasant conversation before it even becomes an argument, um, they may stay calm, but they would crack their knuckles. And when I would call them out on it um, and be like, you know, what is that supposed to, are you trying to like intimidate me or whatever? Because I'm extremely blunt. Um, you know, they would act like they didn't know what I was talking about. Like, no, I just, you know, want to crack my knuckles. But I started noticing it was a trend and it's been more than one individual that I've noticed this about. And I think it's a passive aggressive way of um, attempting to intimidate you. Um, and, you know, maybe, in, again, in a ridiculously weak way, show some kind of quote unquote dominance or, you know, intimidation tactics um, before they progress to actual violence, which again, um, nine times out of 10, they will. Um, I've also noticed on that note, um, frequently a little further down the line from that maybe, but before they actually start being violent to you directly, uh, frequently, especially men, uh, abusive men that tend towards more physical aggression, which, um, I frequently noticed is, um, happens more with men that are maybe larger, um, and maybe think that they have more of an upper hand in that. But at any rate, um, I've noticed that they will act out in aggression and anger on inanimate objects first before they progress to you. And I've seen that more than a couple of times, be it throwing things, punching a wall. Um, once it gets to where they're breaking, you know, your car or your window or your mug, um, or maybe throwing glasses in your direction instead of just at the wall. Uh, it's just getting closer and closer to actually, you know, putting hands on you, which again, nine times out of 10 will happen if it's, um, you know, if the situation stays the same and it, and it progresses, um, if you don't get out. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to mention that, that these are all, you know, warning signs for sure. Um, and one of my experiences, um, you know, I, I had an individual I dated years ago who, um, the first warning sign I saw of his aggression was, you know, slamming his fist down. And, and that, you know, again, I was like always just frustrated, you know, 
But next it was, you know, ripping a security gate arm off, you know, like those gates that close when you um, have a ticket or whatever. Um, he just ripped it off completely and threw it to the side. Um, and that's not a normal thing to do, even if you're stressed. It, you know, it shows poor impulse control. Um, in addition to obviously major um, aggression issues um, and a hot temper um, and, and also a lot of entitlement, you know, to just act out like that without any regard for for how you make, make you feel or, you know, the property damage or anything else. So it's just an, another really, really bad sign, uh, really bad sign. And yeah, I guess, you know, the bottom line is really just trust your gut, trust yourself. Um, and as far as, uh, for support systems, you know, uh, tips for you guys, um, trust what you know of your loved one. You know, if, if you know that they're a, a good person, they're a savvy person, you know, um, they're level-headed. If they, if they start acting erratic, you know, again, if they're seeming out of character, jealous, um, if they seem like there's always something wrong, um, there probably is, you know, and it's probably not them. It's probably the person they're with because if, if the only thing that's changed is who they're with, um, and suddenly you're seeing all these problems pop up, or they just don't seem happy, you know, maybe it's time to, to look a little deeper, you know, or just at least let them know that you're there for them because there might be something else going on. So yeah, um, the next thing I kind of wanted to mention is, um, you know, I just kind of wanted to make a note that a lot of these characteristics that I've mentioned, like the red flags, um, they may sound familiar, um, <laughs> cause, uh, from one of my episodes back in season one, I actually talk about, um, you know, I think it's called something like science, uh, psychopaths, sociopaths or something like that. Um, but yeah, I discuss basically the psychopath checklist, another fun, uh, related cluster B personality disorders. Um, and well, I I'm not obviously like emphatically stating, um, nor am I really qualified to, that every abusive person is a full-fledged psychopath. Um, I mean, I think it's safe to say that abusers definitely, at very least, have many of the items, you know, um, in the qualifiers on the psychopath checklist. And, you know, obviously in my experience, to be real, um, the majority of individuals, uh, unfortunately, that I've interacted with who have been abusive have actually checked every single box or very close to it um, on that list. Um, and again, obviously I'm not a psychologist, uh, but I, I have a, a good amount of practical experience in dealing with cluster B personalities and just very deeply disturbed um, and dangerous individuals um, for better or worse. Um, I say better because hopefully I can help someone and worse because it, it kind of sucked guys. It wasn't fun, you know? Thanks for good writing, but it sucked. So, so yeah, I mean, like, for instance, um, like, shit, I mean, <laughs> the last guy uh, that I mentioned in the last podcast um, briefly, which maybe I'll do one of my first date stories on him in uh, another episode, perhaps in the future, I'll have to see. But, um, but yeah, I mean, he just going through the checklist just out of curiosity, you know, I mean, he was between a 35 and a 37. I mean, and anything over a 30 is, is a, a psychopath, you know, um, according to this, uh, checklist. So, 
so yeah i mean obviously that's disturbing <laughs> um but it's not really shocking at, at the same time i guess and again if, you, if you're curious about that checklist you can go back and listen to my episode in uh season one but yeah i mean this this isn't surprising it's horrifying but to me it's not really surprising um because you know we're talking about we're talking about abusers uh, domestic violence i mean we're we're talking about people uh quote unquote people who you know they're not only intricately cruel and um you know doing these these monstrous acts to another human being you know they're doing it to to the individual they're supposed to be closest to you know their whether it's their intimate partner you know girlfriend um their wife you know um the mother of their children i mean if anything the fact that these atrocities um are things they're committing on people they're supposed to love and, and you know have supposedly committed their life to um people they should be willing you know to die for if anything um the, the fact that they're not only willing but actively you know committing these atrocities uh to the person they're supposed to love the most i mean if anything we should view that as more horrific uh not less serious than someone doing this kind of shit to a stranger you know if anything um domestic violence domestic homicide should horrify us more should be getting greater penalties not less than you know stranger on stranger murder or something outside of a domestic situation and, and that's just not what we see still in the legal system you know and even in society and how it's viewed and that that's just uh, incredulous to me uh, because i think if you really break it down logically I mean, just looking at the bigger picture as a society, like um, the type of individual that is capable of doing this, period, much less these kinds of things to someone who they're supposed to love and who, who loves them. I mean, that's a pretty scary individual. And like I said, you go through the checklist. I mean, most of these guys you hear about, I mean, most of them, you know, a lot of them, I would say at least, would would make the cut, you know? uh for for psychopaths um and just kind of i mean as a side note when we're looking at the type of individual who does this i mean even monsters uh that we all know about like the golden state killer um the happy face killer and others i mean they were all abusive to their wives and girlfriends um before their reign of terror you know um because again it's it's looking at the type of person, um, the type of monster. I mean, when you're talking about things like a lack of empathy, you know, extreme narcissism, um, illusions of grandeur, um, poor impulse control, um, you know, refusal to take responsibility for your actions. And, and on a side note, um, deep-seated misogyny and objectification of, of not only humans, but women in particular. I mean, is it any wonder that there's crossover here, you know? Um, so yeah, whether an abusive man turns to serial killing or murder at all, um, you know, that's, that's not always the case. Um, 
but abuse is enough of a crime um, and enough of a, of a problem. But but I think it's just important to to point out that it's the same type of individual that's capable uh, of doing these atrocious acts. It's the same type of individual who who is also you know abusing their spouse. Um, and I think that's that's pretty scary, you know. Because yeah, I mean I think when you look at it from a logical and just a, a a scientific and a psychological level, I mean, it is the same type of individual, you know, that views humans as objects, that views women as property, you know, that, that has no empathy, that has no remorse, um, that doesn't take responsibility, that, that thinks the world revolves around them. I mean, these are the kinds of, of, of people, of men, of, of monsters that do kill, um, you know, and, and a lot of domestic violence perpetrators, I would say almost all of them, they are serial perpetrators, whether, you know, whether it's murder or whether it's abuse or both. I mean, it's, it's the type of individual we're talking about. They're scary, scary people. These are real life monsters, you know, and, and the scariest part is, um, you know, most of them, you know, uh, have the other other check mark on the psychopath checklist and that's a superficial you know glib charm um a lot of them seem like the most likable guys out there they don't look like monsters and that's why they're so dangerous you know not only to their partner but you know to to society at large these are these are dangerous people and as as a culture we should all have a vested interest um you know in making sure these individuals are punished to the full extent of the law for their crimes and that they're not allowed to recommit um, and not allowed to harm anyone else in society, be it, you know, those who are more vulnerable, like women and children, perhaps, um, in certain situations, or, you know, anyone else for that matter. These are not quality people we're talking about, you know? And when we don't appropriately punish these types of individuals for their crimes um, before they commit murder, you know, we, when domestic violence is punished with a slap on the wrist, um, you know, that's exactly the kind of thing that, that's exactly the kind of thing that emboldens these, you know, individuals' narcissism in thinking that they're invincible even more than they already do. And, and that alone can be enough to embolden them to go further and possibly commit murder because, you know, I mean, again, it's whether these individuals decide to act on it or not. The fact is, um, these are the types of people that are capable uh, of doing, you know, horrible things like this, like, like murder. Um, and sometimes the only thing that's stopping them, unlike maybe a normal person that you know, wouldn't want to hurt someone, wouldn't want to kill someone, and has morality and empathy. Um, these types of individuals, a lot of times the only thing that's stopping them is they don't want to go to jail, you know? Or, in the words of one of my exes, true story guys, um, they don't want to complicate their life. <laughs> but you know, what happens uh, when they think they can get away with it? You know? What happens uh, when they see men getting away with murder, uh, getting away with abuse? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe they do it, you know? Um, what happens when they just decide they don't give a shit anymore because they have poor impulse control anyway, you know? So I, I, I just think it's really important to 
point out and just kind of have a general reminder of the types of people we're talking about because I think far too often domestic violence is kind of looked at somehow as a as a lesser crime um than if these same types of actions were committed against strangers and again I think if anything we should be looking at these types of individuals as far more dangerous than perpetrators that are committing crimes against strangers because again this is someone they're supposed to love and if you can do that to somebody you're sleeping with someone you're supposed to love someone who you have children with even you're really capable of 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 anything you know anything bad uh, that you can imagine and I, and I think that's pretty scary and it's something we should we should all be concerned about uh, containing you know and, and putting it into so yeah I mean I, I don't think I have to say um, but but I mean I think one of the reasons why domestic violence historically has been looked at as uh, a lesser issue than other forms of violence is because of you know there's still deep-seated misogyny um, I don't think that's any secret, um, both in this country and in the world. You know, I do believe it's getting better slowly but surely, um, but it's still there. And I think when you view a woman as property, then of course you're not going to be as concerned about the violence that's committed against them. And I think for many years, people looked the other way, not only because it was unpleasant, but because, you know, a wife was viewed as somehow property. Um, to her husband and they're like oh that's just a domestic issue Um, that's none of our business fuck that it's everyone's business you know and in a marriage it should be two equal partners on a side note um, you know we're no one's property Um, and this is bullshit Um, so sorry I'm a little I'm a little heated about this one guys but but this is bullshit Um, I'm just tired of seeing people die and I think we should all be pretty enraged about that you know so I think the more we can talk about it and the more we can kind of look at the bigger picture you know of what types of people are we talking about um, it gives us kind of I think a, a another angle of understanding and how these situations work what we can do to help and the broad impact that these kinds of monsters and perpetrators can really have not only on the individuals they're with but on society at large you know and how serious this this issue is um, so yeah, um, anyways, I'm, uh, I'm still planning on doing several more episodes. I'm going to do one on, um, kind of an action plan, uh, checklist, if you will, on some pointers, um, on how to begin to extricate yourself if you believe that you are in a domestic violence situation, um, or if, you know, you believe that one of your loved ones is how, how you can assist further. Um, and I'm also going to do an episode, as I mentioned before, on, um, you know, domestic violence and abuse within the BDSM community. Because, again, I think if uh, domestic violence doesn't get talked about enough, domestic violence within uh, a BDSM relationships or relationships with aspects of BDSM, um, that, that doesn't get talked about, like, ever. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that's important. Um, so, yeah. I hope you guys can tune in again. Uh, sorry, I'm a little groggy sounding. Um, I've been exhausted this week. <laughs> it's been a long one. Um, but I hope you tune in again and have a fantastic weekend. Bye.